Friends, would you open with me in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 9? Jeremiah chapter 9. Friends, I feel like choosing a Mother's Day passage from the book of Jeremiah is like trying to find a vegan option at Burger King. It's just not exactly the right venue, and it's hard to come by. But in chapter 9, there are two beautiful verses that we're going to delve into today. So I'm going to read from chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. Hear now God's word. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to delight in what you delight. We want to boast in what you call us to boast in, the things that are worthy of boasting. And so I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would change us to be that kind of people, that kind of church in your midst, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, I always think it's really interesting to hear what somebody is reading at any given time because it's kind of a window into their life and what they're interested in and what they're doing. And so in that spirit, I'll share the book that I've been reading this week, which is entitled Leadership on the Line, Staying Alive Through the Dangers of Leading. Doesn't that sound really ominous for your pastor to be reading? Um, Don't be too concerned. It's just assigned reading for me. But there are some good nuggets in these book in this book, and one of them is the authors distinguish between technical problems and adaptive problems. Maybe you've heard this language before, but there's a difference between problems we face in an organization or in ministry or in life, one of them being a technical problem, one of them being an adaptive problem, and they're very different, and if you try to solve the one with resources from the other, you're going to get crisscrossed and confused in this. A technical problem is simply a problem for which an easy answer exists. You can go to a resource, you can find the answer, and you can apply that answer to your situation. So for instance, if I'm going throughout my work week and I'm curious about CPC's vacation policy, I can simply go to our employee handbook, I can open it up, I can find the policy, and I've got the answer to the question that I had. That's a technical problem, that's how you answer a technical problem. An adaptive problem is very different. There's no easy answer for an adaptive problem, and it's not going to require a simple procedure or know-how. It's going to require some kind of change, either in myself or in my environment. So, for example, my problem is not that I don't know the policy. My problem is I don't know how to rest. Whether I'm at work or at home or on the beach, I don't know how to rest. And I tell you that I can't open the employee handbook and find the answer to that. There's going to be some deep heart level change that needs to happen within me to see that rest be manifold in my life. Well, I say all that because our two verses today, they're very simple. They're very simple verses. And we could almost read them like the answer to a technical problem. It says very simply, not to boast in wisdom or in might or in riches, but to boast in the Lord. But I don't think there's a single one of us who are going to read these two verses and say to ourselves, I get it. 
This whole time I've been walking around, I've been boasting in my wisdom, I've been boasting in my strength, I've been boasting in my wealth. Now I understand that's wrong. I'm going to make the switch. Thanks for pointing that out. It's not going to happen again, right? This is not a technical problem. It's not simple know-how that's going to change us. This is a deeply, deeply spiritual problem that lies at the core of our being. To tell a person to move from boasting in themselves to boasting in the Lord is a little bit like telling somebody to move from living on the land to go living underwater. I mean, it feels completely counter to who we are and how we're wired. That's a very difficult change for us to make in our lives. Boasting is our natural inclination. Boasting in ourselves is our knee-jerk reaction. It's what we do. To boast in ourselves is to rest, to trust, to talk about who we are, what we have, and what we can do. That's what it means to boast in ourselves. Now, in this passage, you've got a wise man, you've got a strong man, you've got a wealthy man, and I want to make a really obvious point. The wise man is not walking around boasting in his wealth. The wise man is not walking around boasting in his strength. The wise man is boasting in his wisdom. That's his wheelhouse. That's what he's good at. That's what he wants to get credit for. He sticks to his domain and he retreats to his strengths. The wise man would rather quit something than be condescended to in something that he's not good at. Now, it's interesting to hear these words that Jeremiah is speaking from the Lord in chapter 9 because it harkens back to Jeremiah's own call into the ministry in chapter 1. You remember that God comes to Jeremiah and he says, Jeremiah, I want you to be a prophet. In other words, I want you to go and I want you to stand and I want you to speak the words of the Lord. And what does Jeremiah say? No, 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 no. That's not me because I'm too young and I don't know how to speak well. In other words, Jeremiah is telling God, that's not my gift mix. That's not what I'm good at. I'm probably going to fail in something like that. I want you to assign me something that I'm going to succeed in. I don't want to venture into something that I can't boast in in myself. Jeremiah had the exact same problem that you and I have. Self-boasting can be in anything. It can be in absolutely anything. Isn't it amazing how we as human beings, we can find anything there is for ourselves to boast in? It can be wisdom. It can be intellect. It can be degrees. It can be strength. It can be wealth, occupation, family. It can be how well behaved my kids are. It can be how well manicured my lawn is. It can be how interesting my hobbies are. It can be how funky my kombucha is. I mean, we can find anything to boast in. I met a guy the other week who he must have brought up ping pong four times in our very first conversation. We're we're all looking for something that we can stake a flag in and take credit for. But whatever it is, at the end of the day, it's about me, it's about I, it's about mine. It is the cold, hard currency of feeling valued in this world. And the more we spend it, the more we are desperate to get more of it, to be known for something in this life. 
God speaks into the middle of this self-deluded madness and in the very gentlest of ways, he says to us, don't do this. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Don't let the rich man boast in his riches. Don't let the mighty man boast in his might. Do not do this. This is the way of enslavement and it's not the way of freedom. There is a kind of boasting that we as humans can do that is a beautiful boasting. It's a beautiful and a precious boasting. There's a boasting that we as humans can do that is utterly self-forgetful. There's a boasting that we can do that we are actually made and designed to do and it comes to us right here in verse 24. Look at this. Let him who boasts... Boast in this, that he understands and knows me. If you're going to boast, boast in this, that you understand and know me. Would you just let that verse, those words, wash over you for a moment this morning? Let them feed your mind and your heart and your soul as you hear this invitation to boast in God. You and I, we have strived our entire week to guard what we have, who we are, what we can do, and to grasp at more. All of us are kind of dancing around our midlife crisis. We're approaching it, we're in it, we're leaving it, and we're asking these questions. Is this all that there is? Is this what I've worked so hard for? Is this all the money that I'm going to make? Is this all the sex that I'm going to have? Is this how ungrateful my kids are always going to be? Is this all the ministry that I'm going to end up doing? Is this the legacy that I'm going to leave behind? We're spending our lives in a quest to be memorable and remarkable. We're like Martha. We're running to and fro. We've got an eye on Jesus and an eye on Mary. And we're asking the question, God, do you see what I'm doing? And do you see what other people are not doing? I want to be seen. I want to be recognized. I want to be known for something. And God speaks in the middle of this and says, one thing is needed. Let him who boasts, boasts in this, that he understands and he knows me. That's what's needed. Almost 50 years ago, J.I. Packer, he wrote in his book, Knowing God, this. We are cruel to ourselves if we try to live in this world without knowing about the God whose world it is and who runs it. The world becomes a strange, mad, painful place and life in it is disappointing and unpleasant business for those who do not know about God. Disregard the study of God and you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through life blindfolded as it were with no sense of direction and no understanding of what surrounds you. In this way, you can waste your life and lose your soul. I wish Packer would just come out and say what it means to know God. This is intense. Knowing God is a gift. It is the greatest of gifts. If Jesus has made us his own, if the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, we know God. And he tells us that this is the one thing needed. He tells us this is the most important thing about us. 
Now, as we venture into this knowledge of God, verse 24 gets really interesting because in the second half of verse 24, you get kind of this introduction to God. You get God essentially saying, if I could describe myself in three Hebrew words, this would be it. This is how I would describe myself. And look what he says in verse 24. I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Now let's just very briefly look at each of those in reverse order. God says that he is righteous. Know and understand that the Lord is righteous. He's the source, he's the wellspring of all that is good and is right and is true. When God commands us to do something, his commands are righteous because they spring from himself and he himself is righteous. When he calls us to love and serve the poor and the oppressed, the alien and the stranger, he's simply calling us to do what he already does. His commands are like him and they're righteous because he is righteous. Not only does he hold all righteousness, but he gives all righteousness. He imputes his righteousness to us. If we're a child of God, he gives us his righteousness so that we will be like him. God himself is righteous. Number two, he says he is just. Know and understand that the Lord is just. Because God is righteous, he is also just. When we say that God is just, we simply mean that he is at the end of time going to set the world straight. That whoever opposes his righteousness is going to face his justice. There are actually some verses that precede our passage that are addressed to mothers. They're about the just wrath of God, and I don't think they have ever been read in a church on Mother's Day. Can we read them? Can we venture into this in verse 20? This is addressed to mothers. Hear, O women, the word of the Lord, and let your ear receive the word of his mouth. Teach your daughters a lament, and each to her neighbor a dirge. For death has come up into our windows, it has entered our palaces, cutting off the children from the streets and the young men from the squares. Speak, thus declares the Lord. The dead bodies of men shall fall like dung upon the open field, like sheaves after the reaper, and none shall gather them. That's the just wrath of God. God delights in, God practices justice because God delights in and he practices all that is righteous and all that is loving kindness. Justice is found in our verse between his righteousness and his kindness. Number one, his steadfast love. Know and understand that the Lord is steadfast in his love. This word steadfast love, it can also be translated loving kindness. And it is the faithful, the devoted, the never failing love of God for his people. God is saying to us that those who know me, know me by my loyalty. If you know God, if you have a relationship with God, if you are in communion with God, he says to us, I am best known by my loyalty. If I grab a hold of somebody, I'm never going to let that person go. I will never leave them or forsake them. 
That's a hard truth to believe, Christian, because I think we go through whole seasons where we doubt that that's true of God. We, we sense in these dark seasons that I know God and I know about God, but I'm not sure that God knows and sees me. But in our passage in Jeremiah chapter 9, he says to us, the very first thing you need to know about me is that my kindness never ends. It's always near to you. It's always being applied to you. I love you and I pursue you and I do that forever. Because of Jesus Christ, God can be known and understood. He can be believed in and he could be delighted upon. He can be seen for his justice and his righteousness and his loving kindness. Now I want to close with this thought because verse 24 is not just about knowing and understanding God, but it commands us to boast in the Lord. You can know and understand God personally and privately, alone in your house, reclining in your lazy boy, right? You can do that in the privacy of your own home. You can know and understand the Lord. But to boast in the Lord, that's a different kind of thing. That's a different animal. Boasting requires an audience. It's going to require people around you who can hear you. When we begin to practice speaking about God, especially in the places where we have a tendency to speak about ourselves, God is going to begin to do this adaptive change in us. He's going to change us and our hearts into being the kind of people that know and boast in the Lord. Christian, find these audiences to boast in the Lord. Christian, boast to your spouse that you know and understand the Lord. When you get home at the end of a work day, don't simply say, my day was fine, everything was fine, nothing went wrong. Find a way and a moment to say, you know what? There were parts of my day, they were few and they were far between, where God gave me the gift of self-forgetfulness and I thought about him and not myself. When you say that, You boast in the Lord and not in your strength. Christian, boast in the Lord before your kids. When it comes to moments of discipline, don't just say in anger, knock it off, stop that. I don't want to see that again. Find spaces in your day where you can pull your child aside and say, I want to tell you about the God we serve. I want to tell you that he's righteous and he's justice He's just and his kindness, it never fails. And the things he calls us to are things that are like God himself. When you do that, you boast in the Lord. Christian, boast to your friends and your neighbors and your co-workers that you know and understand the Lord. Please drop the script of wisdom and might and money and pick up the script of gratitude. You can assume that whenever you don't speak about the Lord, you go through whole swaths of never mentioning him before your friends. That's the exact same thing as boasting in your own strength. As we do this, as God gives us the power to speak these things, he creates in us beautiful boasters of him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, if we have been born again, we know and understand the Lord. 
We know you in your righteousness. We know you in your justice. We know you in your steadfast love. And I plead with you that I myself and us as a church, we would take that knowledge and turn it into boasting one with another that you are God and you are good. Do that in our midst, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.